the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. I don't need any kind of crap from you. Take a lap defense. Take a lap special teams. Who cares? No. It doesn't matter. It sure does. It doesn't. Paul, do you know what drip is? Do we have to explain? No, I'm going to let you wear the clown makeup. Removing goalposts. How stupid is that? No drunkenness. He answered the question fine. We move on. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot or shoot. The kicker. You hear how he says the kicker. Like he's a subset from the team. Do I send you journalism lessons on Twitter? We've got a lot of angry people on this podcast. Yeah. Flum throws, and it's picked off. Intended for Galladay, and it's Rodney McLeod on the return. No, I'd say it's not an ideal, you know. I I wish I would have played better. I I don't think it gets much worse than than that. Flum hit as he throws. Again, it was Josh Sweat applying the pressure. I mean, everything doesn't go your way. Sometimes it's tough out there. Lennon's pass picked off, and it's Alex Singleton who takes it all the way back into the end zone for an Eagles touchdown. It's all across the board. I think you really need to execute better. You've got to get, you know, significant play out of key positions. You know, offensively, nothing's really good enough today. So Nick Suriani, their head coach in quarantines, and his team is victorious, 34-10. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our Giants podcast from the New York Post. That montage you heard is courtesy of Fox. You heard from Glennon, Carter, and Coach Joe Judge. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas because the Giants surely did not on Sunday. The Post Ian O'Connor joins us later in the show to talk about his back page cover story on why Big Blue should go all in on Russell Wilson. But first, let's welcome in our hosts of Blue Rush. That would be two-time Giants Super Bowl championship kicker, cue the bagpipes. It's the Scotsman Lawrence Tynes and his co-host, longtime Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. Lawrence, things got a little ugly in Philly on Sunday, huh? Hell yeah, they did. Man, let's talk about how I underestimated how bad actually this team is. I wanted to will them to some sort of football that's watchable and you know, all week I was like, Jake Fromm, something something to look forward to. And man, am I really wrong about the pulse of this team. They continue to get worse. I keep thinking we're going to see something that resembles NFL football. And yesterday, I mean, I can't believe it. I called for Jake, Mike Lennon. I called for Mike Lennon to come in the damn game. Lawrence, this was like um, in the movie Gladiator, right, where they yell, mercy, 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 you know, sh- show some mercy. Look. We've talked about it a few weeks, right? I know, Jake, you were big on it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. Throw him in there. Throw Jake Fromm in there. It can't get any worse. I knew it could get worse. Now, I'm not saying I knew Jake Fromm would be worse, but he was not close to ready two, three weeks ago. You know, he just got there. He didn't know anything. I haven't seen anything in the very limited time that we're allowed out there in practice. I watched the guy and I said, his arm just does not look great. Now he's a field general. He's a smart guy. Players seem to kind of like him. He brings juice. You see, one of the problems is when he brings juice to the press conference, that impresses me. And that really doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? But that's kind of like a sports writer thing. Man, he brings some juice. He brings some energy. He's not, you know, hangdog Daniel Jones. He's not, you know, Mike Glennon, who just kind of looks like a robot up there. Boy, Fromm is exciting up there in a press conference. Then you watch him in the game. He looked like he was two feet tall. And look, we can't pin this on him. They signed him off the practice squad. He's he's probably not an NFL quarterback, but it was, um, you're right. It was worse than we could have imagined. And I think it, 
less on Jake Fromm and more on a broken offense. You know, this offense is so broken that they couldn't even rally around him a little bit. Paul, I have to, you know, we'll get into the coaching, but the coaching staff has to give him some really easy stuff early. And it felt like they tried to with that stupid play to Saquon for minus four. But it is the coach's responsibility. And this offensive coaching staff is absolute garbage. Like they suck. Every one of these guys are college flunkies. They're terrible. They need to be fired and move on at the end of the year because before the game, conveniently, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones expected back in 2022. Give me Daniel Jones. I could do without the other guy. It just, you can't keep getting worse every week, and they do. And I I told you prior to the show, I was talking to some teammates. I mean, we're extremely worried as former players about this franchise. Where is it going? You know, this is where we are as former players. I'm not going to name my my teammates, but he says, Lawrence, just like you, I want to bring my kids to games. But I don't want to waste my time going to watch this crap. That's where we are as former players now. You know, the Giants playing Chicago this weekend. That's a one-hour flight for me. I would love to go to Soldier Field with my boys. I'm not going to do it. I am not going to go watch that garbage. And if you want to honor these former players that, you know, won championships there and we wear the cool jerseys for all the former players that practice, for the guys that practice well, stop it. Go play better football because this is starting to just, you know, ruin a, a, a lifetime of Giants fans. I mean, get on social media. It's beyond anger right now. These people have seen enough. And you can't keep saying it's getting better, it's getting better. No, it's not. This product is so bad. And it almost looks like, and dare I say, I don't want to ever accuse the Giants of losing games for draft position, but it almost looks like that's where they're at. Well, look, come on. I think you're being way over the top here. Let me ask you something. Would you would you bring in Xavier McKinney, right, and, and Leonard Williams and Logan Ryan and said, I think you guys are tanking for draft picks? Would you say that? No, offensively. Offensively. No, no, no. Well, that's different, though. So, I mean, you know, you have a lot of teammates who play defense, right? And and some of those guys, you know, were on teams that weren't very good on offense from time to time or vice versa. Not like this. This is a whole other level. We talk, yeah, but we're talking about the Giants. It's the offense front and center. You know what I mean? And and you mentioned the offensive coaches. I agree with that. You know, Pat Graham is a legitimate NFL defensive coordinator. Their defense, they gave up 34 points. One was on a pick six. It was 3-3 at halftime. The defense, you can watch and say, it's a competitive unit. It's not a great unit. It's competitive. They play hard. They're limiting them to field goals. So this is, I mean, I, I just think, you know, you as a formal player, you know, it, it's like if you went out and went three for three on field goals, right, and put all your kickoffs in the in the end zone. After the game, I'm doing a report card, and I say special teams, F. Everyone gets an F. The team lost 34 to 9. It's a disaster. You know, you can come back at me and say, hold on, man. You know, I mean, what the hell did I do to get an F? You know, so, I mean, it's the offense. It's, it's, I, I agree with you with the offensive coaches. Look, Freddie Kitchens is not going to be on the Giants staff next year. He is not going to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL probably no one ever should. again. No one on that offensive staff you know? should be on this football team. So the offensive line is broken. The offense is broken. You know, you, you, Kenny Galladay, we have clips of him being an NFL player with the Lions, right? We have virtually none of them with the Giants. He looks like he's, I'm not going to say half-assing it, but he, you know, in the second half, did you watch him? He ran no, out of bounds I, on one I'll play. Watch, he he yeah. doesn't want to get hurt, and I can't yeah, yeah, almost yeah. can't even I almost can't even blame him. Players know during a game and during the week if a plan's going to work. They just do. They have an idea. They have a sense of it. 
And there's just zero confidence offensively from these players because when you believe in a plan, you're going to go hard, you're going to go do things. And I'm not saying I didn't watch Galladay closely. I saw Evan Ingram make a move that where I kind of said, oh, you know, he's probably just keeping himself healthy. Again, these guys are all, especially Ingram, he's going to be a free agent. But if you don't believe in this offensive staff, and it's clear that they do not believe in this offensive staff as players, you have no chance. I mean, they. Well, don't forget, it's the second staff, right? I mean, you know, it was Jason Garrett for the first staff. It's pretty much his offense. They did change a lot of what's going on. They had a lot of trouble yesterday with that five, you know, Philly. I don't know that they did this last time, but they came out with a five. D lineman front with one linebacker. We had no answer for it. None. And that to me is coaching. You got to make adjustments all game long. They never do. And I get their, you know, with one hand tied behind their back. I have a great deal of respect for Daniel Jones. More respect yeah. now than I ever did. <laughs> he's going really to get a contract extension for a lot of money just because of how the Giants look when he doesn't play. And I obviously spouted off at the mouth, and I am not afraid to admit it about Jason Garrett. He kept this team competitive offensively in some regards, but it still wasn't good enough. I don't think it would have been good enough either way. But I have a great deal more respect for Daniel Jones as the quarterback of this team of what he dealt with and what he covered up because he covered up a lot of bad. You know, I mean, I don't, there's no real key sequence in this game, you know, except I guess the start, the start of the second half, you know, when it went from. Well, Graham Gano's field goal. I mean, that's as close as they got. Think about this. And in competitive situation of the game, not the garbage time bull touchdowns they keep getting at the end of the game. The 54 yard field goal is as close as we got. And and you know what when when it was you got the sense they're just trying to play for a field goal at one point there and so it was like third and long I think so okay this is the play where you you just hand it off you get four or five yards and make the field goal better they got stopped I think for no gain or one yard loss so I'm looking out there and it's like they're gonna trot this guy out to kick a fifty yard field I said goal the that's same the best thing. they could do I said the uh, same thing right I mean you know usually you get a few garbage yards and you make the you know I'm sure you if they tell forty six forty seven. Right, right. Well, 51 versus 54, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it's a big difference, too. It is. Uh, it is. You know, for a head coach to say at 13 to 3, with all the time left in the world in the second half, it can't feel like it's insurmountable. That is the, in a nutshell, what's wrong with this team. They it are is. not functional on offense. You know, I think I read one of Dunleavy's stories yesterday where he said one of the players said, you know, the Eagles player said, we didn't think they could score. Think about that. We didn't think they could score. Just because this is on the top of my head, Ellerson Smith got some love, got some reps, made a play. I think he forced a fumble, didn't he? Yeah, he 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 came free on a blitz. I, think, I just want to try yeah. and talk about you know as we get through the end of this year, it's like young guys that are playing well. I mean, I want to see these young guys, these young draft picks, play more. I want to see what they can do. Again, we can go back and forth about Booker and Barkley. It's not even a conversation. Booker and you know, no, you know what? It is a conversation. Is because it? you you were on okay. this early. Yeah, you were on this early. And, and there's something and different about him. I think that you know you you know you mentioned the coaching, the coaching, the coaching on offense, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying. Sometimes I think we tend to give players a pass. Remember the play, it's like inside the 20, I think. They, they ran kind of a screen situation to Saquon, and he had a linebacker to beat, and he would have gotten some decent positive yards. He got tripped up from behind. Remember that? And I'm thinking to myself in the press box, pick up your feet, Saquon. You know, pick up your feet. You know, you're quick. You're quicker thing. than that. You're you're more you're limber than that to do that. And he got caught from behind. So that scheme on that play was correct. And the running back, Booker probably would have got his feet up and gotten another seven or eight yards. That Saquon didn't is, this is another thing. You know, I mean, how can Jake Fromm be effective, right? It's quarterback 101. Run the ball, 
getting third and one, third and two, get four, five, six yards on first down. You run the ball, right? You kind of keep things tight. They can't run the ball for anything. So I'm almost wondering if Saquon should be shut down the rest of the, you know, the last two games. First thing I thought about after this game, shut him down. Let him, God bless him. Let him get healthy, get his head space right. He's not a physically, you know, either emotionally or physically or probably both. He is not competing at the level he needs to. And you were on this early, Lawrence, and I was kind of like, easy with that. Booker is the better running back now, and it's not debatable. You know, if you look at it, Booker averaged four and a half yards a carry, okay? He got the longest run of the game, 10 yards, and he said, I thought we were running it okay. I thought we should have ran it more, and I think maybe it would have been great. Now, it wouldn't have been great, but if he gets the carries that Saquon gets, Saquon got 15, Booker got six, if you reverse that, the Giants would have more yards, and that that's telling, isn't early, it? Early, too, but early. I tweeted out early, maybe first half, he was averaging six-plus a carry. And so Booker, I just, you know, we talked about it at nauseum on the show. He just he meshes better with this offensive line. And, and, and Saquon's not nearly the player he was. We can shut Saquon down for the next two weeks, let Brightwell and Booker get some – let Brightwell get some carries. I think these next two games have to be about the future. And that's okay with me, and it should be okay with Giants Nation. We're not going anywhere. Let's see what the future holds. Let's get some of these young practice squad guys in there on the offensive line, maybe, if they can ser- be serviceable. I'm not saying you got to give guys some rotation. You see, that's, that's you sitting there in Kansas. You're not wrong. But Joe Judge in East Rutherford. He's going to compete you know, you know, for you know, 60 talk, minutes. That's no, right no, there, I'm yeah. just saying. You think he wants to go into this offseason with what four, five, a six game losing streak, and now all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Saying, I think it does. I, I look, they they come back and play. You know, they play the last home game against Washington. There'll be nobody there. They go to Chicago. Chicago stinks. You know, they just had a good win, but they're they're not a good team. So they're better with Nick Foles, though. I mean, I like Justin Fields. I really do. I like his skill set. But they're better with Nick Foles right now. So. They got to be careful. That Bears defense is really good. Well, hello, guys. Uh, Sarah, great job in the intro. Just wanted to pop in and say hi. How you doing? Uh, a couple things I wanted to react Jake, to. Jake, are you there. here? I'm are here. here. I'm, I'm, oh, he was the, so the, amazing. The rapid by our test dialogue. was negative. You, you so couldn't I'm even so interrupt like, this great no, dialogue. The, you couldn't even so interject good. anything. So much dialogue. Really looked like Jake from Allstate, not Jake from State Farm. Uh, I, I said that because I looked up worst insurance companies and Allstate was number one. Sorry to them. We'll preview this game Thursday, but this is like a win-win for the Giants because the Giants get the Bears pick. So if they win, the Bears get worse in the draft. They lose, they get the Bears pick. So really, Giants can, fans can enjoy this game. You know but what, Jake? It, it's a little strange, though. It's not as clear-cut as that because don't forget, when you win and when you lose, your strength of schedule changes. True, so yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's actually bizarre that we have to figure out exactly what's better for the the Giants based on what happens with their strength of schedule versus other teams. Hey, one other thing real quick. I didn't realize, not that this matters, but the Giants have the toughest schedule in the NFL this year. I don't know what that means. I mean, it means something, but they have the most difficult schedule in the NFL this year. If you go to that Tankathon, which I just learned about, not giving them any shout outs, but Tankathon. You kidding? Giants my, fans have been on Tankathon since week three, I think. They're like, since 2012. Jets fans, cause it's the number one thing he's got bookmarked on his browser. Really? So I've just yeah. said I'm, I'm now a bookmarked Tankathoner. No, you have to. It's reached that point. But Joe Judge still had some praise. Hearts, let's uh, queue up after the game, of course, in his typical fashion, finding something to praise in a game where there was absolutely nothing to praise. Can we play that clip of Judge praising whoever he did? Look. 
I'm going to look at the tape before I go ahead and make any like you know huge statements on that right there. But obviously, you've got to get you know significant play out of key positions. All right, but we've got to execute everything better. Offensively, nothing was really good enough today. We got to make sure we come back to work, and we got to give ourselves a chance. We got to capitalize on the opportunities that are in front of us. And when you watch the tape normally, and you sit there and you're watching on the sidelines, you talk through different plays and scenarios, and you say, "Okay, we've got this, this, this that are there. We got to get back to this and give ourselves a chance. Make sure we don't lose an opportunity on this again." You got to you know make the emphasis getting back to something when it's there, but you got to capitalize on the opportunities that they give them to you. You know, most teams in this league aren't going to give you a second swing in the bat. You know, so when something's there the first time, you got to make your shot. He's tough to listen to. I will say I mean, this, Paul. I don't know how you time, do this every it's, week. It's the first time where he's actually kind of taken a little bit of ownership. Paul, you don't hear him say that all the time where it's not good enough right there. Like, God, I want to like him too. I really do. But when you keep getting up there and spewing the same nonsense, it's okay to call out your units, your offensive line. You Whoever know, didn't he play has well. been doing that on offense more so. You know, he, he That's he, what I'm he, saying. He's He's been doing it on offense. Look, he called out the offense the day before he fired Jason Garrett, right? And it was clear what was going on, you know, with that. You he, guys are you guys are too easy on him, though, in my opinion. As far as what? Questioning. We should ask him about his New Year's resolutions, the first question after No, that was actually loss. really how about, good though. How about that? How I like about that, that huh? New Year's resolutions. Uh, Joe, um, tough loss here today, but I just want to know uh, when New Year's coming up. What's um? You have any New Year's resolutions or things you want to um? When someone says though, when someone says when he says, you know, we're we're improving there and it's internal X, but you need to like someone needs to go. Can you tell us from today what was better? And of course, he uses the film, but then he doesn't use the film when he makes statements. No blanket statements. The talk track has to get better. Pat Hanlon, one of the best in the business communications, needs to sit him down and say he needs to be more forthcoming to a fan base that is starving for information and answers. Like we are. We all are. I know more than most. But these fans, man, they, they're they they're losing interest. They're tuning out. They're going to be no-shows next year. You watch. You know, I, I, fans I, just like, to I yell. liked when He's Joe said, yelling. obviously you need to get significant play out of key positions. You know, he doesn't rip the offense, but he, he said offensively nothing was really good enough. You know, in the past he wasn't even saying that. He was saying, well, it's a team. That's what I'm blah, saying. Blah, blah. He's graduated towards this in the last – four or five weeks so i it needs to be more though he uh, needs to but, send a statement sunday in chicago and sit saquon barkley on the bench and i don't even care if he doesn't dress but booker needs to be your starting back any man with any acumen woman child knows that he's the better player and i really think if booker starts that game it's a different game and i know this sounds crazy in a game where they got blown out but there's a consistency to what Booker brings to the table every Sunday, and he proved that during that three-game stretch where we talked about they played their best football with Daniel Jones, a different quarterback. But he sets the tone, the way he gets through the holes. He he runs the ball hard. He's a really good receiver out of the backfield. He's got to be your guy. Saquon needs to be sent a message. He needs to be sent a message that this is not some nepotism. You've been here. We drafted you. This staff didn't draft him. And so he needs to sit. Booker needs to play. Booker is the better player. My wife could tell you that. My grandmother could tell you that. Right now, Booker's the better player than Saquon Barkley. And he needs to play. He needs to start these next two games because I think Booker definitely has earned the right. You got to earn the right. And listen, we go back to saying Joe Judge keeps saying, I'm going to play the best players. You're a liar. You're not playing the best players because Booker is the best player in that backfield right now. So play him if you're going to stick to your word, Joe Judge.
I, I mean, I just can't argue with that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if Saquon has to be sent a message. I think that Saquon is, like I said, Saquon is just not Saquon. And, and, and it's, it's kind of disturbing to watch. So I, I don't think he's dogging it or anything like that. But I, so I, I, don't I don't think, think he is no. either, but I don't think he's capable of being no, a better I, I, player I, I, than, I think, than yes, Booker I think right if, now. If, if you give one player 18 carries and the other player 18 carries, at the end of the game, Booker will have more yards on those 18 carries. I totally agree with you on that. And if that's what it means by playing the best player, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. There was a play yesterday, Paul, where I really saw, uh, Saquon got bottled up early in the game where he runs into line, he gets bottled up. Watching that when he's getting shoved back, right leg is in the air. He's just hopping on his left leg. And I get it. I'm not saying that Saquon can't come back to where he was, but it's just mentally there's something with an ACL and hopefully the year two is better for him. All righty. Well, hope you all had a Merry Christmas watching that debacle on Sunday. Next up on Blue Rush, we'll chat with the post, Ian O'Connor. Enjoy your football, everybody. All right. Joining us now on Blue Rush is New York Post sports columnist Ian O'Connor. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian underscore O'Connor. Ian, welcome to Blue Rush. You made the back page on this Monday morning after Christmas. Your story is a big one. It's one we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks that the Giants should go all in for Russell Wilson. In some ways, I agree with you. Some disagree. But can you you know break down the story and what it might take and why you think the Giants should go all in on Russ? I think they need a dramatic change inside that organization. And when you look at the amount of double-figure season, you're talking about, what, five straight seasons of at least 10 losses, seven of the last eight. So something, I think, beyond changing general managers really needs to change inside the organization. And the quarterback position is 75% of the sport. If you have a quarterback, and I actually like Daniel Jones's physical gifts. I think a lot of people do, but they just haven't translated into victories. And you're talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer who, by all accounts, has the Giants very high on his wish list. He's 33, which some people raise as a a fairly significant issue. I think these days, quarterbacks live forever. You look at not just Tom Brady, who's going to play. I talked to Brady four or five years ago, and we talked about him playing until age 50. I think he'll get to 47, 48. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to about 43, 44. Russell Wilson, three, four years ago, said he wants to play into his mid-40s. I don't know if he'll get there, but I do think he's got, despite the way he's played this year, really his first bad year, I think he's got six good years left in him. And when you have a quarterback that you can't envision winning playoff games, that's your biggest problem. I know people say Daniel Jones is not the biggest problem on the Giants, and technically that's true. He's not. But when your quarterback is not someone you can see winning playoff games, you have to be on a perpetual hunt to get one who can, who you can envision doing that. I think Russell Wilson walking in the door is the best quarterback that the Giants have ever employed. He's available. I think you can actually use this down year to your advantage in terms of what you would have to offer to to get him. And so I, I do think it makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of fans who disagree with that because of the draft assets that you'd have to surrender to get him. But I don't know if the price would be as high as it was last offseason when Chicago reportedly was being asked to to put three first round picks in the deal to try to get him. I, I don't think the price would be that high this time around. 
I mean, I don't necessarily agree with you about Russell Wilson. And, you know, I'm looking at it from numbers and 37 million on the cap next year, you know, for a team that, that that's that's pitching pennies. It's going to be difficult. Two first round picks. Maybe you have to give up a guy like Aziz Ojolari. But those are the specifics. And, you know, so maybe I don't agree with that Russell Wilson aspect of it. But I think everything has to be on the table. You know, I agree with you with that. Look at Russell Wilson. Look at a new GM. Look at a new coach. Look at blowing up things more. Look at changing the scouting system. Look, this is unacceptable football, especially on the offensive end. So quarterback plays offense. So I agree with you that nothing is too is too out there well, to bring to the table. I, nothing. I think the obviously Paul the he would get a contract extension walking in the door. So the redo of the contract theoretically would really lessen that cap hit in years one and two because I think it's what thirty seven million and forty one million in, in the year the last year of his current deal so he gets a four-year extension that contract gets reworked and yeah you're going to pay a price down the road for it no question so I think they can get some relief there if you traded Daniel Jones right now what do you think you could get for him a third round pick at best you, you don't get a lot no yeah okay. you, you know, I mean this this you know you don't get a so, lot yeah so we're talking about and I again I I'm I like Daniel's physical abilities when you look at them, sort of you take it out of the context of winning football games. He's he's big. He's got an arm. He's very athletic and he's a lot younger than Russell Wilson. But if you put him on the open market, he would get you maybe a third round pick. If you put Russell Wilson on the open market, he's going to get multiple first round picks. So I, I've emailed a few Giants fans and why would you want to keep someone who's worth a third or fourth round pick over someone who's worth multiple first round picks? There's a reason for that. And if he does, I don't know why he would want to go to the New York Giants, but apparently by all accounts, he does. And if he does, whether it's for legacy reasons, his wife's career being enhanced by by possibilities in New York, his own career post-football being enhanced by being in New York, winning a championship in his mind in New York. He looks at what Tom Brady did in Tampa Bay. Now, Brady joined the losing his franchise in all of North American sports ever. And you saw what he did to to that organization. Russell Wilson is not the same player as Tom Brady, but he's an elite quarterback. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think emotionally and in every way, he would lift all boats. I think the offensive line is better with him there. I think everyone's better with him there. I think his own career would be rejuvenated. I don't know if they can get him, but I do think like sort of predetermining that Daniel Jones is going to be our starting quarterback next season says who? I mean, you haven't even hired the GM yet. Why does that person not get to say, hey, I believe in Daniel Jones? And if, if that's the case, if you get the best football man or woman in there to run that organization, and that person says, Daniel Jones, I believe in his ability to improve, to develop into a championship-level quarterback, we're going to ride with him next season, fine. But how about let's let the new general manager make that decision before we make it for him or her. Third round pick is generous. This guy has a neck injury, spine injury. We don't well, know. That's what another it is. thing we haven't talked about. Yeah. Right. We and, were assuming we that to, he's going we, to be healthy. Yeah. But we have to moving forward because, you know, that's the real possibility that he's a damaged goods player and he's not very good. Let me ask you this, guys, on the flip side. We always say this, right? Everyone says, oh, we all like Daniel Jones' skill set. We like his skill set. What if he was a jerk? You think guys would like his skill set? Or is it because he handles everything with class? He hasn't won enough football games. And, and and I'm with Ian. I've thought about this. I thought we could win every single game we ever lined up because Tim was our quarterback. It's a good place to be. We don't feel that way. The Giants players don't feel that way, I don't think, obviously because of scheme and a bunch of other issues. But I think you do everything you can. If it's not Russell Wilson, maybe there's a flyer out there. I know there's some people with legal troubles, but you got to find a quarterback. 
you have to find a quarterback. And I'm with Ian, like you do everything you can. I really don't want to give up these early first round picks, but my God, if you do, it does make everyone better. Eli made everyone on our football team, offensively, defensively, and special teams better. And I do think that his price will, or Seattle's price will come down based on, he didn't have a good year. It's the first time he didn't have a good year. You look at his record and in the column, I made the point that he is a better Eli Manning. In a lot of ways, he's very much like Eli. The durability and availability is off the charts. He missed for the first time any starts this year because kind of a, a freakish injury. It wasn't a soft tissue injury. He hit his hand like a lot of quarterbacks do on a helmet. And he rushed back and his performance showed and the team around him is not very good. And listen, I understand the Giants have a lot of problems up and down that roster. I just think when you have a quarterback you believe in, all of a sudden some of those problems go away. Lawrence knows that better than anyone. And you're you're talking about a guy who is a better Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning, you could argue, is the best quarterback the Giants have ever had. At this point, Russell Wilson changes that walking in the door. And the biggest problem is always the quarterback position when you don't have one that you really truly can picture winning championships or at least playoff games. And it would be hard to say right now that any right-minded Giants fan would say, I absolutely believe Daniel Jones is going to win playoff games consistently in the future. It's possible, but it's pretty hard to picture that right now. Ian, what is the exact proposal? Do you think it's a first this year, a first next year, and then a player like Aziz? What's your trade package just as we go in fantasy land here that you put together? right? I, I wouldn't give up Aziz, but I would give up two number ones. One of the two this year, not both. Next year's, which conceivably would be less value because you're picturing the Giants being a better team with Russell Wilson in year one. So next year's number one, one of the top 10 picks this year. Hopefully they like Daniel Jones. And, and so he's part of the deal and a future number three. And and I think that's as far as I would go. But I think that's a very good offer for a quarterback coming off a down year at age 33. And maybe somebody in that organization, whether it's Schneider or somebody else, likes Daniel Jones. We're giving you a talented young quarterback who's had injury issues. And maybe he's just a stopgap until you draft and develop the quarterback of the future for for the Seahawks. But to me, that I, I would not give up Aziz, but two number ones, Daniel, and a future number three, to me, is a, a very fair offer. And if they say no, at some point, you have to walk away. We mentioned Daniel, and you said we can't picture. Look, I could picture Daniel winning a playoff game if Saquon Barkley is Derrick Henry. If Saquon Barkley is what he was as a rookie, I can picture him handing it off to Saquon, you know, 25 times and, you know, being Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, Saquon, the rise and what now is a really precipitous fall, you know, maybe there's another rise again. Who do you, is there anyone in New York sports you can compare that to? You know, you're so good at this perspective stuff. Saquon was, I mean, he is, he is the face of the Giants. You know, he was the the, the touched by the hand of God, Saquon. And now, you know, Giants fans don't want to see him on the field because he, he gets torn down and, 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 and tackled by linebackers coming from behind um it, it's been amazing in just a very short period of time paul i i can't think of anyone in modern new york sports that i recall that has sort of been in this position when he arrived we thought this guy could be almost a jordan-esque figure in new york in a lot of ways if you if you made him a quarterback he would be absolutely the perfect prospect and, and player to bring into an organization unfortunately he plays the wrong position and i remember before the draft his town in eastern pennsylvania had a parade for him i went to the parade i went to his house talked to his family talked to his coaches and it was this little mill town in in, in pennsylvania and they loved him and he loved them back you know what the highlight of, of this year paul and and i guess in some ways yeah. this is an alarming thing to say is when he got his high school jersey retired 
he couldn't wait for that Friday night to leave the giant facility and drive out there and be there for that. That was a huge moment for him. And so you could fall in love with him. And I did, to be honest with you. I would never take a running back number two, but if I ever did, it would be this guy. He was Frank Gifford. He had the looks, he had the charisma, and he just seemed like a perfect NFL player and prospect, except he played the wrong position. So I was really hopeful it would work out. It hasn't. Frankly, I would trade him too. Now, I don't know what you can get for him oh, right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Could you get a third yeah, round pick for him. Saquon Barkley right now? If you traded Jones and Barkley, could you get a three and a four as you start to replenish some some draft picks if you were bringing in a, a star quarterback? And so I think there are ways of, of replenishing replenishing some of the picks that would have to go out in, in a major deal. But Booker to me right now looks like a better football player than than Barkley. It's a shame. It really is because by all accounts, he was and is a great young man. But I just don't know if I see this ever working out for him in New York. Do you, know, do you hear the narrative right? when we talk about the Giants? Great guy. We never say good player first. Great guy. Great guy. It's too many great guys. We need better players. Switching gears a little bit, Ian, I want to talk to you. Why do you think the Maras and the Tishes in this Giants organization think Joe Judge is the guy? I, I see it, but I don't see it. I could go both ways here, but I would love to hear your thoughts on why they said guaranteed year three. I think that he would probably get fired had they not fired McAdoo and Shermer after two years. I think he's benefiting from that. John Mara absolutely does not want to fire three straight coaches after two years. It just It's embarrassing. So I think Judge is getting the benefit of the doubt in part because of recent history of Giants coaches. Mara has, and you know this, Lawrence, Mara has always been someone who looks for reasons to keep people as opposed to looking for reasons to get rid of people. And if you're working in that organization, you want to have a boss like that. If you're a fan, maybe not so much. So I think that because Judge has talked so much, and I was on the phone with him earlier this season, where he talked so much about wanting to be linked to Parcells and Coughlin and that style of football. Here's a guy raised by Belichick and Nick Saban, and he really wants to be linked to Parcells and Coughlin more than anyone. That style of football is what works in New York. Big, physical, northeast, cold-weather football. That works with the Giants. So he's talked about, I think, the right things and the right approach, and that really appeals to to John Mara. But he hasn't delivered that product. I wrote about that in Sunday's New York Post where I said, you know, he has the right idea. He's talked about having a football team that represents the blue-collar ethos of the New York, New Jersey market. But he hasn't delivered that at all. When's the last time you felt that the Giants – physically punish somebody. I don't know, maybe the Eagles game at home. I believe if McAdoo and Shermer hadn't happened the way it did, he'd be gone. Because that did happen the way it did, he's going going to get a year three. I don't have a huge problem with giving a guy a year three, particularly when year one was a COVID year. And I thought, given the circumstances, that was not a bad job that he did in year one. So right now you've had a decent job and a terrible job in his first two years, and he's getting a third season I think in large part because John Mara is someone who does look for reasons to keep people. Yeah, John, you're right. John Mara said, right, we, you know, we all know the quote. He said, we have to be more patient with these guys. And there's no question. He, you know, McAdoo didn't last two years. Shermer last two years. Now John's going to be, I'm becoming everything that I hate about the NFL. Just fire guys, fire guys, fire guys. He said, we have to be more patient. And then if he's not more patient, that quote comes right back at him. Why the hell weren't you more patient? You said you would be. So, you know, but- 
having said that, you know, it, it, it would help him if they don't get blown out every week here. You know what I mean? Here's the problem with somebody in the organization telling Adam Schefter what that person told him. And I'm sure it was somebody high up is there were still games to be played and it was possible to get embarrassed three more times. Now it's already once. I imagine that because it's Chicago and Washington, they won't get completely embarrassed, but you never know. This team is almost capable of anything right at this point. That's a big mistake. Whoever said that to him, three more chances to get humiliated. You want to say that going into the final game when there's only one more chance to get humiliated? Fine. But whoever whoever leaked that out, that was a big, big mistake. I'm worried about selling this job to a good offensive coordinator, good offensive staff that wants to come in here. How in the hell do you sell this offensive football team with a lame duck coach? It's a scary job. I don't think we're going to get good candidates to come in. I don't think we're going to get the best candidates because, you know, if I'm sitting there going, I'm the, you know, whatever receivers coach, second in charge in San Diego or one of these great offenses, Kansas City, no way am I leaving to come coach the New York Giants and be their offensive coordinator under a guy who micromanages every aspect of the football team and Joe Judge. That's something I know for sure he does. He's a micromanager, and he's got his hand in the cookie jar way too much of every unit on that team, and he needs to stop doing it, or he'll be one and done next year. Well, at the end of the day, it's still the New York Giants, and I'm biased because I grew up in this region. But if I have an opportunity to have a big job with the New York Giants, I'm going to be very interested and always, I think there are just a lot of coaches out there who have such belief in their own abilities to turn around a franchise or an offense that I, I still think you'd have because it's the New York Giants. Why in the world would a star quarterback want to play for the New York Giants, given the state of that offense, the offensive line, the entire franchise? Really, the Giants have become loserville, but it's still the New York Giants. It's still the most relevant marketplace in the country, if not the world. And there's always going to be appeal to jobs inside that organization. So I think that would be the draw, really, if nothing else. If Ian gets his wish on our back page and Russell Wilson is the quarterback, now you got to start getting some – you can get some candidates who, who say, you're giving me Russell Wilson? Oh, I think I can tailor my offense to that. Now it becomes a more interesting job. So maybe, you know, you get Russell Wilson. Now you get a better candidate and maybe you got something cooking with some you know, people with some smarts. Now, some, and basketball isn't football, but sometimes individual stars, there's a certain magnetism about them that – that makes everyone better and brings other people into the organization. Jason Kidd, when he was traded to the New Jersey Nets at the time, and he arrived and they were the worst or, or certainly one of the two worst franchises in the NBA on a consistent basis. And he said at his opening press conference, we're going to be 500. I'm going to make this a 500 team. We all laughed at him. They were in the NBA finals two straight years, his first two years in in New Jersey. And now basketball, the individual player has a greater impact than even a quarterback would in football because the quarterback's not playing defense. But I, I actually think Russell Wilson could have that kind of impact on the Giants emotionally. He's not going to take them to two Super Bowls in his first two years, like Jason Kidd basically did in the NBA. But I do think that it would lift everything and everybody, something like that. And, and I do think something dramatic needs to change. And the record speaks for itself. It's not we're not talking about one or two years here. We're talking about five straight double digit loss seasons and seven of the last eight. There's a fundamental problem inside that organization. Ian O'Connor is the author of three New York Times bestsellers. He writes for us here at the New York Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian underscore O'Connor. Ian, by the way, do you wake up and put a button down shirt on? Because we all look like bums and and you're here in the morning in a, I mean, not bums, but we're, we're in sweatshirts. 
do you wake up and put a button out or were you out today? I, no, I actually slept in this shirt. So okay. no, I'm surprised it doesn't look a little more wrinkly than it does. But <laughs> he's a professional guy. I want to see him like. Well, yeah, so pro- y'all, we all look pretty good. You're the one wearing ramen. I, I guess no, if, if you look here. down the bottom, there's some mustard stain on Ian's button down That's from right. the pretzel he had in the Lincoln Financial Field press box. So, yeah. And I am wearing gym shorts, by the way. You just can't see it, obviously. Parties at the bottom. There we go. Ian O'Connor, appreciate you coming on Blue Rush, man. Happy Thanks, everyone. Yep. Take care, guys. These little poochies. All righty, Lawrence. You want to close out this post-Christmas preview? <laughs> I'm dying. <clears throat> Get that man a Z-Pack. That says cheerio to episode 19. <laughs> Holy Jesus shit. Christ. What is going on? He's I was good up until now. Maybe you need another booster shot. That's the Barry Cofield edition of Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Lawrence, how did your Christmas go outside of that bloodbath in Philly on Sunday? Hi, it was quite lovely. You know, we just hung around the house, and uh, I actually don't remember getting anything of significance. I was supposed to be in Europe watching football this week, but that's got cancelled. Give Blue Rush a wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You could also now give us a wee five-star rating or big five-star rating on Spotify. For Polly Schwartz, Jake Brown, Sarah McCroy, Andrew Hartz, we're all here. I'm the Scotsman, Lawrence Tynes. We return on Thursday to preview the matchup with the Bloody Bears. Thanks for listening, folks. Happy New Year. (laughs) Young Joker. Yeah, I just like to go out there and have fun.